Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I'm joined as ever by John. John, how are you? Very well, Rob. Can't complain. Good, nice, long bank holiday weekend and uh, straight back into the serious stuff again on Tuesday morning, but all good. What about yourself? You had a bit more of an eventful weekend than I did. Yeah, uh, very good, thank you. Um, I checked out the League One playoff final at Wembley. For those of people who saw it, there was a last gap drama as uh, Sheffield Wednesday won in the 123rd minute, uh, breaking the heart of all us Barnsley fans for the day. So, yeah, it was it was very, very eventful. Um, but good overall. Very nice to obviously have the extra day off and even better for those of us who've managed to sleep in an extra 15 minutes uh, this morning to be late for the podcast. <laughs> standard, standard, unprofessional nature that I work with, but sure. We uh we get on with it, all good. Do you want to introduce the topic today? Yeah, so now we're at the end of the season. We, of course, have decided to do our team of the season and our flops of the season. However, we've decided to do a few caveats just so it's less boring than other people's are. So here are our few, which is why some of your favourite players may be missing from these team of the seasons. Um. So number one is, we are doing this now at the right point of the season. I hate people doing their team of the season with about eight games left. And you probably have about seven more Arsenal players than you should have in your team of the season. B, we've said two players per club. So they could either be two in the team of the season or two in the flop of the season, or you could have one in each but to get as many different teams in here as possible, we've had two players per club um, and we have 11s and then we have five bench options as well. C, this is versus their expectations. So De Bruyne, for example, has had an absolutely brilliant year, but De Bruyne pretty much always has a brilliant year. So it's based yeah, off this season and how you thought that they would do going into it. D, we have freestyled our formations. We will give a bit of a blurb going on to why we've picked that formation. But for example, you may want to pick Manchester City's formation because they've had a brilliant year, or you may want to go off a specific game. Um, yeah, and I believe that is all our caveats, John. It is. Should we jump into it? Do you want to go first? Let's do it. So I'm going to start us on a negative so we can finish on a lovely, lovely positive. And I'm going to start with flop of the seasons. And here I'm going for formation wise, I'm going with the uh, 4-3-3 that Tottenham played against Newcastle. They went to a 4 to a back instead of their normal 5 to a back and were 5-0 down within 19 minutes. Therefore, I'm sure you can understand why I've gone for this formation. Uh, this was, of course, against Newcastle and they went on to lose 6-1. My flop of the season goalkeeper gasp loudly because he may well win a treble is Edison he is that for two reasons because his save percentage is only 62.5 percent and he's in the bottom 35 percent by post shot xg he has a negative post shot xg meaning you'd have expected him to save more than he's conceded but it's actually the opposite way round um 
but he's actually been very good in the Champions League. He's got a far higher save percentage there. Certainly did a couple of nice saves against uh, Real. But yeah, considering he was put on a pedestal with Alisson at the start of the season as one of the best goalkeepers going, uh, he's actually had a very disappointing year. And he's also going in there because Garth Crooks has put him in his team of the season. Yeah, that's absolutely outrageous. I think yeah, you can see relatively quickly that Ederson just hasn't excelled above a number of other goalkeepers that you've mentioned. Um, and I think a harsh but fair choice. I, I went down a more standard route um, with my goalkeeping choice, but how do you want to play this? Do you want me to introduce my formation or do you want to run through your entire team? Do the formation um, and then what we'll do is we'll pair off players. So maybe we do the right and left back and centre backs together, for example. Yeah, let's do that. I've went for a different formation um, because it was very different in this game and summed up the whole season for this club. So based on negatives, I've picked who I've thought were the worst team in the Premier League season this year in terms of versus expectations. And that, of course, is Chelsea. Uh, I think the real downfall for Chelsea this season came in Graham Potter's first loss as Chelsea manager against his former club, Brighton. And I think that just set the precedent for the rest of this, his tenure and the rest of the season for Chelsea as well, because it just looked mismatched, badly managed, and he was completely outclassed by his replacement, De Zerbe. They lost that game 4-1. You had the likes of Raheem Sterling playing as a left wing back. So my formation is a 3-4-2-1, effectively. Um, but it's effectively a you know, 5 Two, two, one, or whatever it might be, right? You've got two wing backs, three centre halves, two centre midfielders, two players playing behind a centre forward. Um, so that's the formation that I'm going to take off. So that is my approach um, based on that Chelsea formation of that day and the formation that they played with uh, Graham Potter the odd time. So I went with Mele and Nets. Mele, for me, I, I put him in here because I actually read him. I, I quite like Mele. But he's just had an absolutely horrible season with Leeds, obviously ending a relegation. But before that, ending and getting dropped for uh, Joel Robles as number one keeper for Leeds. And that is a big statement because Robles is just not a number one goalkeeper. He is a backup goalkeeper. And if you're getting replaced by an out-and-out backup goalkeeper, then you've had a horrible season. He was the second highest goalkeeper who made mistakes leading directly to a goal behind Hugo Lloris, which I'm shocked hasn't in, sort of been included in your team, but there's a long list of Spurs players that could have got in the flop of the season team. Um, he made three mistakes leading directly to goals and overall just had a horrible season, four leads. Still very young, um, still a very young goalkeeper, born in, in 2000, so he's literally just turned 23 in March. So he's still got a big career ahead of him, but this has been a significant step backwards in his career this year. And um, I think that's a fair shout from my side. Yeah, I agree. Uh, certainly not had a good year. And uh, actually, I was going to ask you at the end of the flop of the season who you think has been the worst team overall. And I had Chelsea too, uh, certainly against expectations. So the first agreement of the podcast, which is a nice a nice thing, because this, this type of thing, once you go for one player out of kilter, it's actually very hard to get aligned then. Um, so let's go for left and right back as a partnership here. Uh, it sounds like our formations are somewhat similar, at least. Um, so I have as my left back Perisic. 
slightly harsh in some people's eyes because he's got eight assists. But if you look at him every time he's in the team, he just looks way out of position. He's got a tackle success of 52%, which is not good enough to be in a defensive possession of the pitch. Uh, and his interceptions are in the bottom 36%, which I think goes uh, very well in hand with how out of position he seems to be. Uh, and my right back is Vladimir Soufal. Uh, a couple of years ago, you'd have said him and Suchek kind of refreshed that West Ham team and were some of the best in the league. Um, but yeah, poor year with poor numbers and needs upgrading with some of that rice money, I think. Um, defensive numbers are actually all green. So defensive wise, he's not all too bad, but he's got one zero goals, goals one assists and doesn't really give West Ham any attacking impetus, um, which, yeah, in these days, you kind of need from your fullbacks, particularly if you're expecting West Ham to go and be a progressive side with the likes of Paquetar in the team. Uh, so those were my picks. How about yourself? Yeah, I was close to going for Sufal as well, but I've I've went down a different route. And again, another player that I rate really highly at right back, um, who just hasn't got up to speed with a team that's overachieved this season, and that is uh, Tarek Lamptey. I've went for. He's only played 20 games this year, um, most of which are off the bench, only equating to 453 minutes. For a player that was coming in as one of their biggest performers last year under Graham Potter, to come into a team that's been overachieving and been completely outshone by Pascal Gross in that right wing back position. Um, this is a player that people were talking about for England and talking about for a big, big move this year or next year. And he just has not delivered in the slightest. Anytime he's got on the pitch, he's had some injury issues. Um, but he's been he's been really, really poor. No assists this year, no goals, no output from Mook going forward, which is one of his specialties, one of his sort of biggest uh, advantages to his game. And he has just hasn't really done anything. So um, potentially a bit harsh, but I think a lot of him, I like him a lot as a player. Uh, but again, another step backwards in his career based on this season's performances. And then the left-back of choice I went for is, uh, again, get another Leeds player. So I've used all my Leeds players very quickly. But I went for Junior Furpo. You just, you know, Leeds signed him for decent money last season from Barcelona. You sort of thought, you know, it takes a season to adapt and he might come into his own because there might be a player there because he was highly regarded at Barcelona whenever he was there. And again, just absolutely horrible season. Um, if you look at his stats, well, he only attempted 40 passes per game for an attacking, attacking left-back. That's horrendous. You know, twenty-three in the bottom 23 percentile for successful tackles, um, bottom 19 percentile for progressive carries. Again, for an attacking left-back, that's horrendous. Bottom 9 percentile for prog progressive passes uh, tried. And uh, yeah, just a horrible season overall. Again, another one that sort of people tried to give him some excuses for adaptation into the league, but he came in at decent money from Barcelona with high expectations and he's failed to deliver across two seasons. Yeah, both good picks. I didn't have Furpo just because, yeah, I guess I saw him have a, a bad year last year. But yeah, the more Leeds players in there, the better. And the reason I'm saying that is because I'm like nicely lining up uh, Liam Cooper here. Uh, as one of my centre-backs, Leeds have the most goals conceded in Europe's top five leagues across the last two years. Uh, someone like Voba has come in and actually been all right there. But yeah, it's not really helped. They're the bot um, But Cooper is the bottom 26% for blocks. 
at bottom 46% for clearances. This is in an under-the-cosh team, so Leeds actively have to defend a lot, and he's got low numbers for these. Hasn't improved even under Allardyce. Yeah, that Leeds team seems a little beyond help at this point. Um, And my second centre-back is Soyuncu. So a little bit more narrative here than just on-field, because he's actually only had seven Premier League starts. And Leicester have looked a better team when he's been in there. Um, Certainly, if you look at some of his defensive numbers, again, a lot of them are in the greens are quite good. Um, But he's not a good passer. 78% pass percentage from centre-back is quite poor. And that's including in the bottom 14% for progressive passes. So it's not exactly like he's trying to really move the ball forward in a good way. Um, But yeah, partly why he's here is that he agreed his move to Atletico Madrid with, um, it was on Fabrizio Romano, about four weeks from the end of the season. Now, I know he's out of contract in the summer, but when your club is battling relegation, I think that is a bit of a disgrace, to be honest. So Soyuncu goes in my team uh, because, yeah, he's just he's not helped morale at a crucial part of the season. We're in our first agreement. I have Soyuncu in my back three as well. I, again, I think the... The announcement to, that he was going to Atletico Madrid came at a really strange time and sort of showed why he's effectively been exiled from the first team Um, in regards to, I don't think he made an appearance under Dean Smith after that happened. They only made a handful for um, for Brennan Rodgers earlier this season. And this, is, this was a player that was being linked to Man City a few years ago. And yeah, just if your club is getting relegated and you're deemed to be some form of a leader, but you haven't made it on the pitch more than 10 times then you've had a significantly bad season so we're in agreement with that one and then I obviously have two additional center halves and I've struggled to really nail down who those center halves are going to be because I could have just picked two Chelsea center halves but I I didn't want to be I didn't want to go down that route and be that lazy with my decision um I was close to picking Wesley Fofana but I ended up going for Koulibaly and it's because Koulibaly came into Chelsea with such high expectations this season in regards of you know taking that coveted 26 shirt coming in as you know being deemed one of the best center halves in the world and what a coup for Chelsea and he's been he's been really really poor um and has been a standout performer in negative terms to sort of setting the precedent for a bad season for Chelsea at the back you expected someone like him to come in and act as a real leader in defense and sort of be the catalyst for a big season for them, but he did the absolute opposite. You know, he was in the bottom 35 percentile for Ariel Jules one this season, which for his style of play doesn't lend itself to being overly positive. Um, interceptions in the top 66 percentile for someone like Koulibaly, not really high enough. All of his stats are sort of fairly average, which is why he's in here. It was just an average, it was below average season for Hoots, a player who's been deemed world-class and I think he came into the Premier League and showed that he was not. And Chelsea heavily relied on Thiago Silva again this season from a defensive perspective. Uh, And then my next choice will potentially come as a shock as a Liverpool fan. But I have have included Virgil van Dijk in this sort of, not flop of the season team sounds very harsh because he hasn't been a flop, but he's deemed as potentially one of the best centre-halves in Premier League history, certainly has been the best centre-half in the world for the last four or five seasons. And I think he's just fallen short of that. There's been a number of occasions where 
you're watching him and you think he's being slightly lazy with his defending. He sort of refuses to burst into a full sprint a lot of the time. He stands off players too much, which we saw all the way back to the Champions League final at the end of last season, where I think he gave uh, Valverde way too much time in the ball. And I think that's sort of continued this season. If you look at some of his stats, a lot of them will be you know, in the high greens in terms of passes completed. Ariel's won because he's outstanding in the air. But he only he's in the bottom 5% out of blocks. So he doesn't really, he isn't cl- quick enough to close his man. He's in the bottom 17 percentile in regards to interceptions, less than one interception per game. And he's in the bottom 4 percentile in terms of tackles. So it shows that he's a standoff center half. He needs to go to the ball quicker. We've seen a number of goals this season where he's sort of been caught in no man's land or he's been sort of left for dead because he just hasn't closed the man quick enough and he's covering the the space too much. And at times whenever you're struggling, you know, man-marking your player, winning your individual battles is some of the easiest things to do. And I think that's something he needed to do more and more this season when he was struggling with his reading of the game. And um, harsh pick because he's, you know, I absolutely love him as a player, but I feel like he fell below his own high standards this year, which is why he's been included. Yeah, I mean, you're a bit of a traitor to be honest, but <laughs> I, I think they're I think they're quite they're quite good picks. Certainly, when you put it in the context of what you were expecting from them this season, I don't think you can say Liverpool had a good start to the year or came anywhere close to second, which most people had them in. So, my midfield three is we're going to start with Mason Mount, three goals to assist this year. Um, he's in the bottom 19% for non-penalty XG, less than one take on per game. Uh, he only really actually excels in tackles for his positions and progressive passes, but also he's not really great for progressive passes received. So he's not even brilliant at kind of finding space. Um, he had one good month under Potter, been at pretty much anonymous since. Contract talks are at a standstill with Chelsea. Apparently, Chelsea want £80 million to get rid of him this year. I can't imagine anyone would pay anything like that. They'd be lucky to get half of that. Uh, but also, he's in this list because he had a really fit stalker. And he's continued to not have bedroom-related activities with her. So, that is an L from my end, from Mason Mount. Um, other sentiments, I have Wilfred and Didi. Just remember how good he was. He was such a pivotal part of those Leicester teams who finished fifth twice. Um, But he's been awful for a fairly long time now. Gets overrun in the midfield. uh, uh, Gives nothing in attacking sense. Zero assists this year. Yeah, he just looks... Leicester look a far worse team with him in now. He almost looks like he needs two months break to get kind of fitness back. But just Leicester can't afford him that. And yeah, he's, he's... needs to be shipped on even if they're going down to the championship and then my final one is Fabinho I don't think this one comes as a huge surprise had a bad 18 months really probably not just 12 but he got replaced by Bacetic uh, in the period over kind of Christmas again insert notes for Ndidi here doesn't give you the dynamism to make that pivot work on his own anymore consistently gets overrun and his tackles and blocks are down to 55 percentile and 54 percentile. Considering this is supposed to be one of the best DMs in the league, I could name you 10 who had a better year than him this year, if not more than that. Yeah, I had Fabinho on my list initially, but replaced him with Virgil. Uh, I think a very, very fair pick. 
seems a second to half a second slower than he's been in previous years, which is why his interceptions and tackles have decreased in terms of rankings. Um, but yeah, very fair pick. For me, I have two centre midfielders as well. I think one of which it's an absolute sin that you have not picked him in your team. I think he's probably captain of my team, um, and that's Jesse Lingard. If you look at his stats, are absolutely horrendous. He's he played coming in as this sort of the big name signing amongst forty other signings from Nottingham Forest last summer. His stats are absolutely horrible. Um, played less than a thousand minutes, just less than a thousand minutes this season. In terms of overall in a 90 minutes from his sort of hands-on position within the Nottingham Forest team in a centre midfield role, he made less or he attempted less than 30 passes per game with a pass completion rate of 79.5%. Progressive carries 3.2 per game, progress, uh, which were the, so that was progressive passes. Progressive carries is 1.07. Uh, progressive carries per game, which is in the bottom one percentile. And that's not the only stat that's in there. He had zero goals, zero assists. He touches um, in a uh, opposition's box were 1.56, which was in the bottom one percentile. Tackles, 0.3 tackles per game, which were in the bottom one percentile for his position. And 0.1 aerials, one per game, which was in the bottom seven percentile. Like I'll, show, I'll send you a screenshot of his uh, stats list. Absolutely awful dreadful season i'm pretty sure he signed a one-year contract with nottingham forest so that he could sort of put himself in the shop window for a big move and at this rate he'd be very very lucky to pick up another premier league club so we'll wait and see what happens with jesse lingard but from his highs at west ham um from the expectations from united last season to an absolutely abysmal showing at nottingham forest this year jesse lingard has made my team as probably my captain choice and the player playing alongside him his former England teammate, Calvin Phillips. He didn't play enough games to equate to get enough stats to actually imp- include in this. And someone who was England's player of the season a few years ago only played 300 minutes for a championship winning Man City team. Um, didn't look fit a lot of the time, looked out of shape, looked out of place. And I don't know. I don't know what his what his mentality is, but I he seemed very very happy to be walking about with the trophy, and I just don't think he did anything towards that. Zero goals, zero assists, very limited minutes, very limited stats to be able to give you. Uh, but Calvin Calvin Phillips absolutely makes my my starting eleven as well. Yeah, it's that sounds fair enough. Certainly on Lingard, he was originally in my team, uh, but yeah, I found I found a way to get in a different midfield. But it looks like for different reasons that him and Mount are in our team for a lack of touches in an opposition's box. <laughs> Decent. One of your better ones. Fair play to you. Do you want to move on to your forward players? Sure. Um, <laughs> so, my forward line, and obviously this is a three, is Neil Mopé on the right. So, spoiler, we have Richarlison and Richarlison's replacement in this lineup. Uh, but he got one goal in 27 games. You may say to me, well, Rob, he was never any good anyway. Well, actually, the two seasons previous, he got eight goals in very similar game time in the league. £15 million wasn't a terrible price for him for a striker who gets you close to 10 goals in a year. But one thing that Everton should have been warned by was that he always undershoots his XG. 
And he was in a fairly fruitful, creative Brighton team. And obviously Everton, who create far, far less, don't give him much of an opportunity. But yeah, he's certainly not been able to replicate goals and goals have been their key issue this year. We have Richarlison on the left. More yellows for taking his top off, celebrating a goal than goals this year. Hasn't really got any time as a striker. Done some good stuff. I'm in a Spurs group and we all kind of like his shithousery and other things. But yeah, he's been largely ineffective. Uh, one league goal this year. And that is a big problem if Kane's 30 league goals leaves. And yeah, he's struggled with some fitness and form. And then my central striker is Patrick Bamford. He's scored four from an XG of 10. So we're not just talking about uh, where we expected Bamford to be. Never mind the fact he got 16 or 17 a couple of years ago. He has scored six less goals than you'd have expected him to. That last minute miss versus Leicester cost them two points. The penalty miss versus Newcastle a couple of weeks ago cost them two points. He's been on a one-man mission to send Leeds down. And it's to the point where I wouldn't actually even keep him in the championship next year. I think they need to have a reassessment at striker. He'll be on big wages as well. But yeah, Patrick Bamford, he's just not been at the races at all this year. Nice. Yeah, solid picks. I had initially picked Bamford and then I changed to Ruder, who was their somewhat replacement for 40 million, scored zero goals and hardly played in the summer or in, in the rest of the season. Um, but I have went for your board Richardson as my centre forward because absolutely honking season. £60 million pounds was paid for that absolute disgrace of a footballer. And um, what a glorious season he had. And I also went for a former Everton player as well in Anthony Gordon as my right midfielder. Again, Everton rejected £60 million for him last summer from Chelsea. And they would have been a perfect Chelsea signing in regards to last season as well. Because he would have been yet another flop. He then went to Newcastle for £45 million, £40-45 million in January. And hasn't really picked up from there. Has shown that he's got a horrible attitude. On the pitch, he's been really, really poor. Um, zero assists this season. Four goals from 32 games. One of which came uh, at the weekend there. But in regards to his overall stats, I mean, he only attempted 28 passes per game. Pass completion rate of 74.2%. Extremely low. Only tried uh, 1.93 progressive passes per game, which is the bottom 4 percentile for his position. He's just had a poor season. I think there was a lot of hype about him. Again, probably because he was English. But I've never really seen it at him. Didn't really get the hype. And I think this season has proven that. And I'll be interested to see what Newcastle do with him. They probably see him as a long-term project. But I'd give him another 12 months. And then I think he might be looking for a new club. And my other left midfielder that I've chosen is uh, Felipe Coutinho. Again, came in with high expectations in the summer from Villa, where they made his loan deal uh, permanent signing for forty million. He only had he, he scored one goal this season, zero assists in twenty games. Sort of came in as potentially the catalyst for a big season for Villa and under Gerrard. Sort of went from bad to worse in terms of he did his very best to try and get them relegated before Unai Emery came in and saved the season. But his stats are, are poor as well. Overall, you know, progressive carries. Bottom 16 percentile, uh, progressive touches, bottom 21 percentile, shot creating chances, which is, is what you think about Felipe Coutinho, bottom 11 percentile. So just a really poor season and another player who's being left, came in with big expectations, delivered 
so little that you're now looking at him thinking, what's next? Because it doesn't look like he's got a future at Aston Villa. And where does he go? Does he go back to Brazil? Does he get a move within the European markets? I'm not sure. But definitely a selection for my flop team of the season. Yeah, it sounds like they're, they're all fair enough. Anthony Gordon, again, is a brilliant shout for this list purely because of the money paid for him. I'm very quickly going to give you my bench and my manager because we've got an entire another 11 to go through. So my bench is Ings at West Ham, James Garner, Paul Onuachu, Gavin Bazunu, and Mateus Nunez at Wolves. Um, some big fees paid for there, some very limited game time amongst those. And yeah, just compared to what some of those have previously been, certainly not brilliant. And my manager team is a one-two of Nathan Jones, who gets a nice share of this podcast. Um, And he's going to be supported by Garth Crooks. As I said, putting Edison in your team of the season is a disgrace. But in his team of the year this year, he's done things like put Emerson Royale as a centre midfielder. And he always seems to put in a player who doesn't deserve to be in the eleven, just so he can talk about how he doesn't deserve to be in there each week. So yeah, Garth Crooks is definitely going in there today. Yeah, big Garth's on fraud watch. Horrendous season. You sent me quite a number of TikToks. Um, I can't remember the TikToker's name that you highly enjoy, who sort of rips through Garth Crooks's team of the weeks, but they're they're very good. Um, my manager I went for, because he's technically unattached as of right now, is Frank Lampard. He tried his very best to get two clubs relegated this season and wasn't, wasn't successful in either attempt. So uh, he goes in, my bench includes Cristiano Ronaldo who's obviously no longer within the Premier League but played Premier League minutes this year I've also included Danny Ings I've thrown in Yuri Tillemans in there um, I've also thrown in Jose Sa dropped towards the end of the season got his place back in the last game of the season conceded five against Arsenal didn't live up to expectations from a massive debut season from him um, and then I've also accidentally broke the rules and thrown in Sim Maximum as well We've sort of thought about Newcastle and everyone sort of thought that they would build the team around say maximum and it's been players like Almiron who've stepped up and really shown how to do it. So he goes in my my bench as well and um, that makes up my flop of the season squad. Nice. Well, some very good picks. As we mentioned, what we'll be doing is putting this as a poll on Spotify. So instead of picking a 11 ourselves, we'll allow the viewers at home to pick who your favourite team was. But in the light of keeping things a bit more positive, shall we move on to our team of the season? So if you want to yeah, hit should, me... Should we, should, want... we quickly do, should we quickly do a very, very quick recap of the team so that people know who they're voting for? And um, so it's very clear. Of course. of course. So my team was, it was Edison and Nets, Perisic at left back, Cooper at centre back, joined by Soyuncu and Soufal to complete the back four. Mason Mount, Ndidi and Fabinho in midfield. And then Mope, Bamford and Richarlison completing the front three to be led by the partnership that is Garth Crooks and Nathan Jones with a bench of Ings, Garner, Onoachi, Bizunu, and Nunez. Nice. I like it. My team was in Nets, uh, Melier from Leeds. Two wing-backs were Tarek Lamptey and Junior Firpo. Three centre-halves, Soyonchu, Koulibaly, Virgil van Dijk. Two centre-midfielders, uh, Jesse Lingard, Calvin Phillips. Two players supporting the forward striker were Anthony Gordon and Philippe Coutinho off the centre-forward of Richarlison. My manager, for obvious reasons, was Frank Lampard. 
and my bench was Cristiano Ronaldo, Alonso Maximum, Danny Ings, Jose Sa, and Yuri Tillemans. So let's crack on with our team of the season. Looking forward to hearing your picks. Yeah, yeah, me too. So I'll start with the formation. So mine is a 4-2-3-1. It is that because of Everton's amazing 5-1 win away at Brighton. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Certainly, look if you look at subverting expectations, that is possibly the result of the season from where the two teams were going into that game, uh, certainly based on form. So, yeah, team of the season. We'll start off with big Nicky Pope in Nets. Now, I think undeniably he was a pretty good goalkeeper. Obviously, Burnley got Europe during his stay there, but Newcastle were able to pick him up unchallenged for just 10 million uh, this summer, which is an absolute snip. His post shot XG is actually only one better, but it is better, indicating that he's a good goalkeeper. Um, save percentage of 75% is very solid. Obviously, he's such a big frame. He fills the nets very well. But actually, he's so good as an active goalkeeper. This is where someone like De Gea struggles. So he's top 92% for crosses prevented, top 96% for stopping actions outside of the box. So he's a better sweeper than most people give him credit for. Certainly after that one where he handled it and got a red card and missed the uh, Carabao Cup final but he's a seriously good player who deserves a bit more praise and he's unlucky really not to be England's number one yeah solid pick very solid pick I've as a Liverpool fan of course went for the Liverpool against Man United uh, where we scored seven for that you know still undoubtedly the one of the best performances this season from any club what worked really well in that game is our midfield actually turned up which is was a rarity this season but we played a 4-3-3 formation that day, of course, where with a, a natural centre forward on the left wing, which is what I'm doing to get the players that I want into this team. Um, we had three in midfield with Fabinho, Henderson and Elliot. So we had Henderson sort of sitting alongside Fabinho some of the times, but acting as the legs to get up and down at times with the natural number 10 playing in a centre midfield role as well. So um, I've done what I can to get the players that I want from this team into this formation, and that formation fits. We obviously had the two fullbacks who were able to get overlapping and the centre-halves, of course. I went down a more standard route, mainly because a lot of people are talking about other goalkeepers. I know Garth Crooks has went for Ederson and Nets. I think the best goalkeeper in this league by country mile this season was one that was playing in a very underachieving team at Liverpool, and that was Alisson. Um, team that finishes fifth when they're expected to be top two. You know He has been the best keeper in the league, and they would be much lower than fifth without him. Um, Opta had published that Allison had prevented 10.6 goals for Liverpool this season. He had the, boost, the best post-shot XG per shot on target stats at the top 99 percentile. And of course comes in with an assist in a big game against Man City, which should have been a catalyst to hand Arsenal in the league if they hadn't bottled it towards the end of the season. I'm doing that to, to poke at people um, rather than saying how good Man City were. But just an unbelievable goalkeeper. You know, people are talking about Liverpool's defensive frailties this season and you know, forget how good Alisson actually has been. It's been the rest of the team that have really let them down and he stepped up as a real leader. Um, and even though this is against expectations, if you're talking team this season, for me, Alisson has to be in them. Yeah, fair. Obviously, Alisson's not been very good before this season, so I think it's fair enough to put him in the team. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so tempted to go for, uh, for Bert Leno. But probably should have been my goalkeeper of choice, but I went for um I went for Allison instead because I wanted a different Fulham player in this team. 
Fair enough. So I've got a really random shout as my left back, but Wolves fans online tell me that he's very good. And he got 21 games this year, which kind of came from nowhere. So my left back is Hugo Bueno. Um, very, very underrated. He excels at progressive carries. He gets 3.57 a game, which is best for top 91% in his position. Started the season at 19. Yeah, 21 games this year. Very, very solid. Obviously, Wolves' issues is their attacking end of the field, not their defensive. Their back four is very solid. My right back, I think, he's going to go captain in this team purely for where he was versus where he is now. I don't think he's ever been a bad Premier League player and probably goes as one of the most underrated ever. But to finish at right back with nine goals and eight assists, seven progressive progressive passes per game, um, six progressive passes received, top 86 and 96% respectively. It seems so much of deservable goes through this guy. It's Pascal Gross, and he's had an unbelievable year, and it now just seems you can pop him in anywhere, and he'll be excellent. Yeah, two solid choices, Bueno. Uh, Left-back was, was the, the trickiest position on this list because I was sort of taking that I was only picking one player per team, and, um, and there's so many good players in the league that left-back was a really, really difficult position to pick. So Bueno is a solid pick. Really good fantasy football pickup this season. I think he was valued at 3.9 whenever I got him. Um, but I've been impressed with them as well. They've had decent options there. Eight Nori, Nori's come in and done a job at times. Um, but Hugo Bueno's looked decent and is a good prospect for the future. And then probably yeah, will be the choice of this list potentially will be um, will be Pascal Gross. Great shout as a right back. Unbelievable season. Um, has been a massive catalyst for a big season from them. My right back is is probably going to be the right back of the season in the PFA team of the year, and that's uh, Kieran Trippier. And the reason why I've included Trippier is when he came to Newcastle eighteen months ago, people sort of said he's doing it for the money. Um, he sort of he's done. He'll never be in an England squad again. Um, and everyone we're talking about all the rest of the England right backs, but he has exceeded expectations massively in regards to his performances at Newcastle. What he's done as a leader, which nobody talked about, to bring them from the relegation battle when he joined to finish in the top four this season, which is absolutely unbelievable for 12 million pounds. Um, and for the way that people were talking about him being sort of done at that point, he's shown how good he is. We were talking about him last week as someone who could potentially play as a center midfielder at some point, but he's shown in the Premier League. He's shown himself as a real leader and he stepped up for that Newcastle team massively and deserves more credit than he's even getting at this point, I think. And my left back on the other side, um, because I'm only picking one player per club, it's been really difficult. But I have went for a Stupinan because I do think he actually is, he, he deserves to be in with a shout for PFA Team of the Year as well. And from a left back perspective, I think he's probably been up there with one of the, one of the top two or three left backs in the Premier League this season. But to come in and try and fill the, the Mark Cagrella, um Afro-filled void, was going to be really tough and Cucurella probably should have made our flop team of the season without a doubt. But again, we're, we're stuck with these, with these stipulations. Um, but as Superman's been absolutely unbelievable this season for Brighton has stepped up massively in regards to his attacking output where he's registered, I think seven or five assists this season with one goal and assist every 537 minutes. But from a solidity perspective, he's looked really solid has filled in as a left side of center half at times 
um, and it's just looked unbelievable in that Brighton team and has come in massively energised following the World Cup where he performed relatively well as well. So Estupanan comes in um, following a, a high-pressure move to Brighton and looks like one of their best players this season as well in what's been an unbelievable season for Brighton. Yeah, and it's nice of you to butcher someone's name so much that you've put in the team of the season. I tried my very best. I've always said you're way better at pronunciation. How do you want to? How do you want to correct it? I'm calling him Estupinan, and I'm sticking to it. Estupinian. I want a bit of a connecting in the middle, please. Fair enough. Oh, I went and travelled South America for six months. Shut up. Estupinan does the job, <laughs> um, but I do appreciate your pronunciation. So. I'll let you say his name moving forward, but uh, yeah, proper player. We, we love that. Yeah, yeah, fantastic player, fantastic season. And it was funny when you messaged me yesterday saying, I can't think of who to pick for Brighton. And you picked three players who I had none of those in my team. So it just shows you how good they've been this year. My two centre-backs. So I actually think these are probably PFA player of the years in that team anyway. So we've got William Saliba, Awesome player. He's in this team because previously he was deemed not good enough by Arteta. That was an awful shout. He's strong, quick, composed, crucial to Arsenal's title challenge. And I think you've seen how much it's fallen off since he's been injured. But yeah, he's probably top five performers in the league this year and was criminally underrated by the league previously. Uh, And then my other centre-back is Lissandro Martinez. He's five foot nine. He can't play centre back in this league. He needs to play CDM or left back just to coax him into the team. He's been brilliant. Top 94% for tackles. Awesome passing ability. Really does seem to have it all except for a few inches. But uh, Neville and Carragher have kind of said since like, oh, actually, we should have seen it coming because how do you get to be one of the best centre halves going if you are that small? Obviously, it's because your all round game is so brilliant. And then, yeah, just comment Warrior. He just is the epitome of a Warrior centre-back. He's got that Argentinian spirit, also won a World Cup this year. He's been awesome. Solid choices. I'm I'm surprised that you picked those players for your selection of for those teams, if that makes sense, because we have limited selections per team. So um, Saliba, I think, was outstanding. I think if you're talking PFA Team of the Year, it, it really should be between Saliba, Stones and, and Sven Botman as well. Um, so solid selection. I think Lissandro Martinez had a great season. You picked one for the short kings, so I fully appreciate it and um and agree with the selection. I went slightly different in regards to you've picked sort of United and Arsenal players. I went for Brentford and Everton. So I went for Ben Mee as my first centre half. Three goals to assist this season. Of course, you throw in the attacking. It's gonna outfits. be me. <laughs> there we are. Back to that standard. Brilliant. Um. Fair opinion. He obviously arrived following. I'm just going to forget that actually happened. That just continue on. Um, he arrived following a relegation for Burnley this season. Came on a free transfer. Fairly low expectations and absolutely exceeded them. Um, unbelievable part of a really underrated Brentford defence this season. We, again, we've talked about Leno. We've talked about Allison. Um, David Raya was unbelievable this season. Not defence as a whole. Only conceded 36 goals in 38 games, keeping 12 clean sheets. Just absolutely outstanding from that Brentford defence. Um, ben Mee was in the top 97 percentile of aerial duels won with 3.6 per game. In the top 99 percentile of shots blocked per game. And he made over three 
8.3 clearances per game as well. So he came in and really, really impressed me um, as a player that I was sort of somewhat shocked that got a Premier League move again. I expected him to be in the championship with Burnley this season. Um, he's shown why I know nothing and um, and really exceeded expectations at Brentford this year. Another one, again, struggled because of the stipulations that we have on the selection for the team. Um, but I think if I was looking at the rest of the teams available to me, James Tarkowski has had a really good season at Everton. Um, again, former Burnley defender, uh, came in on a free transfer from Everton. They conceded a decent amount of goals this season, 56 goals altogether. But I think Tarkowski, when he played, I've had an absolute singer pronouncing his name twice. Let's go again. Tarkowski, when he plays, has been a leader on the pitch for them and been really, really good. Um, he made 1.4 tackles per game, 1.35 interceptions per game, and 5.16 clearances per game, and was a really solid performer in that Everton team. Yeah, I think uh, Ben, ben Mee certainly a brilliant shout. Obviously, Brentford finished top half of the table this year as well. Tarkowski was a defender in a relegation-threatened team, has become a relegation-threatened defender. Uh, don't get me wrong, his stats are pretty good. And again, Everton's issues aren't really at the back this year, but don't think he's been hugely better than expectations. Um, obviously, you could argue that going to a new team is always difficult. Yeah, Ben Mee made my bench, so definitely, definitely a good shout from him. My midfield, um, so here's probably where we subvert a little bit in terms of class. I've gone for two uh, players you wouldn't necessarily expect here, but again, it's versus expectations. So my first is Morgan Gibbs-White, huge price tag, came in for 45 million, obviously amongst all of those Nottingham Forest changes, but I think he's one who's really, really delivered five goals and eight assists so many in the run-in as well has been crucial to Forrest's survival he's strong aggressive and composed on the ball but he's also particularly delicate and tight like close control reminds me of a Moussa Dembele-esque almost so yeah he's brilliant I don't think it'll be long before he gets an England call up and then my other central midfielder is Jacob Murphy so Joe Linton and Bruno Guimaraes get a lot of the praise, but actually I think he's had a fantastic end to the year, particularly. Um, I put You could have put Willock, Longstaff or Murphy in here. Uh, four goals, two assists. That actually surprised me. I thought he'd have a few more than that because uh, he's had a few lately in particular. He's top 84% for progressive carries. So again, he fits that midfield perfectly where they're able to kind of bring the ball out and burst and spring the counter for them. But yeah, he's been great. He's been integral to what Newcastle do. And I did not expect him to be getting 30 plus starts this year. No, I don't think anyone did. And I don't think I expected him to be in your team as a centre midfielder as well. Is he, is he not a winger? He's going as a midfielder in this lineup. <laughs> he's done it again. He's out. He's just thrown random wingers in as sentiment feeders again. I I appreciate it. Let's go for it. You've got so you've got two sentiment feeders in there then for your selections. Yes, sir. Okay, I went for three. So to start off with, Martin Uregard is my first selection. Um, a lot of my final picks here that I'll run through are players who were at a really good standard before, but just massively exceeded expectations. I don't think anybody expected Odegaard to have the season that he's had in regards to the performances that he's put in. He's he's you know notched up 15 Premier League goals this season and, and also seven assists. 
and has really shown his leadership qualities on the pitch for Arsenal as well. I think it's a no-brainer. He definitely will be in the PFA team of the season. And he's went to a different level this year, which hopefully we can see him continue to do in the Premier League in the coming seasons. Still only 24, loads of football left in his career. And it'll be interesting to see how he performs for, for Arsenal over the next few years. Next player I've got that would be my holding midfielder. Um, I've went for Polina from Fulham. Again, came into Fulham in the summer. Uh, nobody really knew of him, what he did. And he's oh, come in and just... Oh, no. No, like, you knew who he was, but you didn't expect him to be as... I, I thought he would be a solid mid-table player, but I think he could go to any of the top four and do a really good job, yeah, is my he, thing. He made my bench, but to say that you didn't know who he was, I thought a better argument would have been that you couldn't believe Fulham were able to get him. And then, fair enough, he might have gone above your expectations after that. But, yeah, to say didn't no, know like, who he was... We are a football podcast, John, an esteemed football podcast. The Premier League's the Super League now. So for Fulham to get him alongside Andres Pereira, who could have made the list as well, like he was a very solid signing, but they got him for like 20 million. It wasn't massive money that they paid for him. So he's massively exceeded. He's not a 20 million pound player. He's exceeded that. He's a 45 to 50 million pound player now. And the performances that he put in have been worthy of a Champions League standard club is my thing it's you know people talk about whenever you look at players coming in from the portuguese leagues at the minute you look at bruno fernandez you look at you know luis diaz darwin nunez you know they're the ones that we big up it's the polinias that fall through the net that end up at fulham and then will get a bigger move at some stage but you know he's been unbelievable in terms of doing that role that we talked about fabinho in the previous team he's the fabinho of today's game now you know he's in makes 4.32 tackles per 90 in the top 99 percentile, 8.22 ground duels one per game, which is in the top 97 percentile. In terms of having that player that breaks down the play and allows you to quickly move into an attacking state, Polina has been unbelievable. People haven't seen him enough this season. People aren't talking about him enough, but he's been absolutely unbelievable for a Fulham team that have overachieved. And he's been front and centre of that Fulham team for me. Everyone talks about Mitrovic, Tim Ream, uh, Bert Leno, as we have done as well. But Paulini has been, for me, their best player this year. Nice. Um, and then my third sentiment fielder, another one that's gone massively under the radar, um, is Douglas Luiz at Aston Villa. Again, nearly made a move last summer to Arsenal. There was a few other clubs interested because he had, a, I think, 12 months left in this contract. Um, and he's went ahead and signed that new contract and he's been top, top class for Aston Villa this year. From a player that's previously been known as a defensive midfielder, he's playing a little bit higher up. He's got six goals, six assists this year. I think a few of those goals potentially come from corners directly. He's been just a really high performer for Villa. We all talk about Watkins and um, a number of their other players that have been really good this year, Mings, Martinez. And again, Luis was another one that goes under the under the radar. And for me, he stepped up massively and has been a key driver to getting them into the Europa Conference League qualification, which they're delighted about. Um, but getting them away from the relegation battle from the start of the season, and he's been a key player under Unai Emery. And he's made my team this season. Yeah, very good. Very underrated. Yeah, so my midfield three ahead of the two that I did have is uh, Martin Odegaard as well in the middle there. 
just a joy to watch, brilliant touch, really added some output to his game. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep this up, but 15 goals, 7 assists is outrageous from a midfielder. Uh, I think it's the most by a central midfielder in a very long time. Um, but yeah, he's also scored so many of those from outside the box. The XG that he's scored that 15 against must be actually very, very low. My right winger is Dan, uh, Dango Utara. Um, he's had a brilliant year, um, came in in Jan and really saved Bournemouth season. Uh, he was playing in Division 4 of France, I think, just a couple of years ago, but he's pacey, direct, and really suits Bournemouth's counter-attacking style. Three assists since Jan, um, but he's also not below 83% in any of his defensive statistics, and four of the five, he's above 90% for his position. So he really does the dirty work for them and then allows them to play on the counter. My left winger is Kaoru Matoma. Um, yeah, did anyone think he was going to be anything at this point last year? He came in, obviously, I think he was in their Belgium team um, on loan, but seven goals, five assists, top 94% for progressive carries, top 96% for touches in the box. Um, he did a thesis on dribbling, and it shows he's one of the most exciting players to watch in the league and yes, certainly from where he was last year to where he is now, he is unbelievable. Yep, solid choice, Mitoma. What a player. Been one of the sort of breakthrough players from this season. Tara is an interesting one. Um, but again, a solid choice. I, I like him. And the sort of glow up that he's had in regards to the the division growth over the last few years from coming from that fourth division in the French League. I went slightly different with my three. I went for the sort of the bigger named clubs with my three, and I've sort of caveated it, saying that I had a natural centre forward playing on the left wing for the formation that I've chosen. Um, so I went for the three up front for me. It's Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, Erling Haaland, and all of which speak for themselves. What I will say for these players, Marcus Rashford, a lot of people have sort of shrugged him off last year, talking about potentially having to leave United talking about the drops or the the low levels of performance that he was putting in. And he sort of come out of a really poor last few years at Manchester United and excelled massively with 17 goals, five assists in that United team. He's been just unbelievable this year. And the improvements in his performances have been admirable. Um, and hopefully we see him continue that on the international level. And um, what he does off the pitch is as good as what he's doing on the pitch now. And that's a, a joy to see, even as a United player. Left midfielder, left sort of sided striker that I went for is Erling Haaland. Goes without saying. He's just unbelievable. 36 goals in the Premier League this season. Eight assists as well from 35 games. We all expected him to be good, is my point. But I don't think anybody expected him to be this good. And that's why he's exceeded the expectations. His transfer fee... With 50 million, God knows what else they had to pay to get him in the door. But for a 50 million pound striker to come in and do what he's done has been absolutely unbelievable. And um, and he's exceeded all expectations that were on him at the start of the season. And then I went for Harry Kane up front. Again, someone that we will not speak anywhere near enough about because Erling Haaland's had such a good season. But he's exceeded expectations as well. He scored 30 goals this year, three assists in 38 games. The output from Harry Kane this year will have went down as one of the best striking performances in Premier League history if it hadn't been for Haaland. And he's been completely, you know, sort of brushed aside because of Erling Haaland and the performances he's put in. 
as well as that, I think he's accounted for about 40% of Spurs' goals this year. Um, he sort of dragged them to the top 10. He dragged them towards top four at one point before they got rid of Antonio Conte. But you could have went through an entire Spurs 11 in regards to the flop of the season team. I think Hugo Lloris should have been included in one of our teams. Son could have been in there as well. Um, and Keane's really stepped up and dragged that team towards what could have been a decent season if they hadn't have got the managerial appointments completely messed up. Uh, so he's been unbelievable, exceeded my expectations, certainly, and um, and has went on to have one of his best individual performances in his career. So they make up the rest of my team. Yeah, fair enough. I think that would be pretty close to, if not actually, what the uh, PFA team of the year is. I think doing the allowance is quite nice. I've seen a, a Salah creep in on the right wing in a lot of those teams, and that's perhaps undeservedly. I also had Haaland as my striker, as my one. Um, yeah, to get six more than anyone else in the league is fantastic. I think anyone would have considered it a decent year had he got 25, maybe. Um, but yeah, he's been unreal and is likely to collect a lot of the awards. Um, City, unlucky to not get an Akanji or maybe like a Rico Lewis in this team is my other note on that. My yeah, front Nathan Aki was the one. Nathan Aki was the one that I wanted to get in. I think he's he's had an unbelievable season, haven't been written off by a lot of people. And he was the one that I wanted to get in, but Erling Haaland has to get in. That's fair. I've also put a note that please vote for my team because uh, the, well, it's not quite a front three, but the right wing of Dango Utara, centre of Erling Haaland and left wing of Kaoru Matoma has to be three of the greatest first names in the Premier League. If anyone's got a friendship group with a Kaoru, Erling and Dango in, please do write into us. Um, so yes, that was kind of our teams overall. Do you have a manager for your team, John? I do have one for Arteta. I think nobody expected. Yeah. We could have went for a lot of managers. I think a lot of managers have exceeded expectations this year, but um, nobody expected Arsenal to put up a title challenge realistically. So people will say they bottled it. I don't think that's the case. I think they just ran out of steam. Um, and that's, it showed because whenever some of their players dropped in terms of performances like Party and um, Saliba out injured, they just didn't have the quality backup to come in and do the job effectively. And that's why they lost ground. But I think the job that Mikel Arteta has done since he joined Arsenal in terms of setting the ethos, setting standards um, that players have to live up to, as we saw with Aubameyang, he's just done an unbelievable job. And I think this season's epitomised that. Definitely. I think that'll be looked to as a bit of a blueprint amongst many of the top teams for uh, seasons to come. Anytime anyone needs a bit of a rebuild. Um, I went for Marco Silva to finish 10th when you were in most people's relegated three, I think is very, very impressive. Yeah, Fulham wasn't actually able to get a player in my 11s for either of them because obviously 10th gives you very middle of the road. But yeah, I think they've been excellent. And my bench makes up of Paulinia. Ollie Watkins, who we've not mentioned yet. I think he ends the season with 17 goals, maybe. He's been vital in their European push. Um, Eze, again, I think he hit double figures for goals this year. He's just got in the England squad, so he's had a very good finish to his year. Ben Mee and Tyro Mings. I think a lot of people have mentioned Granite Xhaka's redemption arc this year. I think Tyrone Mings in this year alone is actually more impressive to go from having the captaincy dropped to being out of the playing squad and unfancied to now being um, 
back in and a vital driver of their European places is uh, is really impressive. Yep, solid selections. My bench I went for is uh, Kepa Arifa Balaga, uh, Tim Ream, Alise, Apalis, uh, Rico Henry, and uh, I'm about to absolutely ruin another surname here, so you can uh, correct me for it. Owenye at Forest, um, a player that Liverpool Iwanini. had on their cards. That's the one. Um, player that Liverpool had on their cards for years and years and couldn't get a work permit for. I think he ended up in, in Berlin for a while um, and they're making the move back to and Mainz as well and they're making the move back to Forest. They signed Chris Wood for big money in January and sort of expected his Forest career to be going downwards um, after a big, effectively a big centre forward arriving and, and expected to do a job and he's done the exact opposite and sort of stepped up massively and claimed that centre forward position and scored a lot of big goals like you mentioned with Gibbs White scored a lot of big goals in the last few weeks to ensure that they've stayed clear of relegation cases so that makes up the rest of my squad and I, I think Kepa has to be thrown in as well because he, he started off as effectively one foot out the door written off at Chelsea and, um, and what a season he's had yeah, no, I, I think that's fair enough. I think certainly in terms of uh, redemption arcs, he's done very well. And you kind of mentioned it with Kane, but it's so hard to do it when the rest of round you is struggling. To be the redeeming light can be very, very difficult. So he deserves special mention and praise there. Um, just run me through your 11 again, please, quickly, John. So I went for Alison Annette, Kieran Trippier, right back, Ben, me, and James Tarkowski. Um, do you want to pronounce the left back for me, though? Estepinian. Estepinian. At left back, three in midfield of Martin Odegaard, Paulinho, Douglas Luiz. Uh, three uh, three forwards are Harry Kane, centre forward, Holland, and Rashford often. Yeah, nice. Very, very solid team. And mine, just going to get it up again, was the goalkeeper was Nick Pope, left back Hugo Bueno, centre back Saliba and Martinez. Pascal Gross at right back, centre mids of Gibbs White and the legendary centre mid Jacob Murphy. Um, and then just ahead of them, Odegaard, Utara and Matoma with big bad Erling Haaland up top. John, if the people have loved this podcast, what could they go do? They can go to socials initially, go follow us on Instagram, TikTok. We're going to be pushing, as we say every week, we're going to be pushing more content on there, but we have been doing the last few weeks. Um, please share this podcast with some of your friends, family, share it into an all group chat, why not? And if you could, read us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be extremely useful. And turn on that little bell icon so you get notified next week of the next new podcast that will be out as well. Yeah, 100% I echo all of those sentiments. Uh, John, it's been a pleasure as always. And yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the next one. Looking forward to it, Rob. Speak soon. Catch you later. Thank you.